AJ's my bodyguard now. Uh, he's a big guy, strong guy, and he got baptized yesterday. Yesterday was my birthday, so we're kind of connected uh, for life. We're lifelong friends now, bonded together by the dates of our birthdays and baptisms, and I just told him, I said, are you going to be there when I'm 93? That's the main thing, you know what I'm saying? But I did have birthday yesterday, and uh, 30, 37 doesn't feel different than 36. It really... It, re it really doesn't feel much different. Uh, you know, people say, how do you feel? And I say, I feel great. But anyway, we had a uh, great party, a surprise party at the Rock and Roll Pizza Place. I was totally blown away. Uh, it was just a great, great night. Uh, the band played. We all danced. Uh, it was really exciting to see Rodney Chavez dance. That, 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 was, uh, that was quite a thing. But anyway, oh, I can kid Rodney. He's a good friend. And besides, what's he going to do about it? Beat me up? I don't think so. <laughs> but anyway, we had a great time. I appreciate everybody being there and all the love. But I want to talk this morning about some things that uh, basically I've been going through. Okay. And uh, I thought hopefully we can look at some scriptures because I'm working my way through this. I feel like I'm getting on the other side. Um, but there's times in our lives, all of us, that Satan just hops on us. Have you ever felt one of those times? You're doing fine, everything's great, then all of a sudden, bam, he, he hits you like Jesus went into the wilderness for, for 40 days and 40 nights. Sometimes you feel like that. Satan is really going after you. A lot of times when Satan comes after us, he comes after little things, not big things that we can kind of shrug off, you know, like hitting your husband with a bat. We know that that's not good. We can go, no, I'm not going to do that. That's not right. It's, it's a temptation, but it, you know, doesn't last real long. You wives think about it, though, but don't think about it too long. Uh, and, you know, we, we have, the, but then we get some of the temptations in life that just strike us really where our weaknesses are. And one of my weaknesses has been insecurity. I'm basically an insecure guy. And you go, are you kidding me? But you get up here and speak, yeah, but, you know, there's still insecurity behind all this. And I was going through a period of time where I just said, you know, I am tired of having to face this all the time. Because every time you speak or teach, here it comes. And you, you try to put it in its place. You, 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 you know, you worry about your message. You stay up Saturday night. You get up early Sunday morning. You worry about what people are going to think. And I'm just trying to get all that behind me to the point where I can just stand firm in the power of God. And it's been a battle. I have flat wanted to quit. I just wanted to say, Joe, it's all yours, man. Here's the ball. Take it. I'm done. And I started to really get convicted about that, about that attitude of quitting. Jesus never quit. Paul never quit. Whoever quit. Oh, you have examples of people wanting to. But there's an attitude of, of when you, you get to the point that you're really ready just to put your gifts up on the wall and forget about it, you know you're in trouble. And I want us to look over in 2 Timothy for a little bit. We looked at this last week, and I want us to look at it again this week. You know, Timothy, like I said, was a young man. Paul pulled him into his life, mentored him, left him in Ephesus, pretty big city, 
A lot of issues, a lot of challenges, a lot of false religion, a lot of false teachers coming in and out. It, it, was, it was a mess. And Timothy was told, I want you to put elders in place. I want you to deal with sound doctrine. I want you to deal with this. I want you to deal with that. I want you to deal with the rich people. I want you to deal with all the things in the church you got to deal with. And he, he got burnt out. So by the time we get to 2 Timothy, Paul is really appealing to him. Hey, you've got to keep fighting. You cannot give up. And notice how he starts off. He says in verse 3, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience. As night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you also. You know, our relationships are so important to keep us fired up. And here Paul is saying, hey, I can remember the tears. There was a bond there. Timothy was hurting. After Paul left him in Ephesus, there was tears of him leaving. It just shows how important the church is to all of us. And last night at my party, I, I was just blown away. I was going, these people really like me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they really came out. It wasn't just for the pizza. It was for something else. And it just hit me. Why am I thinking this? Why is Satan trying to needle me with this over and over when the evidence is so clear that I have people in my life that are there that will be there? who appreciate me, who actually like my preaching. It, it, that's a miracle in and of itself. But that's what we have to recognize, and that's what has hit me, that I am not alone in this. And no matter how insecure I might feel, God is with me, and I've got to get to the point where I could care less what you guys think. When I'm preaching the Word of God, I'm going to preach. And if you don't like it, I'm sorry, because Paul told Timothy, preach in season and out of season. When they like it and when they don't. When you want to preach and when you don't feel like preaching. You preach the Word. And so, I'm moving in that direction. God's given me some victories. And I'm excited about what I'm feeling, what God is doing, what He's showing me. What He's sifting out is really... Uh, uh, the miracle that I'm seeing. And so he says, here, Timothy, I remember your faith. I can remember it. It is in there, and you've got to revive it. You know, he tells Timothy in verse 7, or verse 6, for this reason I remind you to fan in the flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit of God gave us, for the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. The power to stand in the gap. The power to stand when people aren't with you. The power to deal with your insecurities. The power we have from God. We underestimate it. And I was realizing I am not utilizing the power of God in my life like I used to, where I've been before. I just felt like there is a form of godliness, as Paul talks about, without the power. 
So I'm not here this morning playing church. I'm done playing church. I'm done giving you a liturgy. I'm not into that. I'm just into preaching the word in season and out and looking at our lives and getting real with ourselves. And that's what I want. I just want to get real before you. Let you know what, a, what I'm dealing with. But notice over in Matthew 17, we talk about power. Matthew 17, in verse 14. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Verse 17. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed at that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked. Of course they came in private. They were embarrassed. Why couldn't we drive it out? Why couldn't we do it? He replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. You know, when you're not doing well, you forget this. You forget how much power is in faith. And there was so much power here demonstrated. Did Jesus heal somebody like this? Rebuke a demon. You see the power. But so little faith. I was just out walking. You know, I like to walk outside and pray, and it's beautiful outside where we live, avocado trees all around. And I was just looking around and seeing the power of God. The power of God, how he has worked in my life in the past, how he has lifted me up and I felt like I couldn't do it, how he's given me success when I thought I was all about failure, all of what he's done, and I forgot. I lost my faith in that power. And here Jesus is saying, that's why you messed up, guys. That's why you're not getting this. That's not why you're, follow you're, not, you're not following me all the way here. You don't have faith, and he calls them, you unbelieving and perverse generation. I mean, that's kind of harsh, don't you think? I was going, oh, man, I'm not glad I wasn't in that circle. I mean, think. That's pretty tough, rebuking a demon. That's, I mean, this, it's not like these guys came up doing this. They were learning. And Jesus rebukes them. You're unbelieving. And because of that, the generation is perverse. There's a perversion that takes place when you don't have faith. And I felt that stuff creeping in my life, just thinking weird things, not caring, wanting to quit. That's perverted type thinking for a disciple. And yet it was there. And Jesus calls us to have faith. And, 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 and look at the mountain, because I know a lot of us, we got stuff going on in our lives we think we're just stuck with. We think we're, it's not going to get any better. We're, we're, we're strapped by some kind of a sin that just keeps on and on and on. And 
We have to have faith that our faith in God's power to overcome sin can move a mountain. You got any mountains in your life? You got stuff that's really got you down? It's an issue of faith in the power of God. Look over in John chapter 11. In John chapter 11, you have the situation recorded about the resurrection of Lazarus. Lazarus was the brother of Mary and Martha and uh, a good friend of Jesus. He died. Jesus got word that he died. And Jesus said, I'm not going there for a few days. So he waited four days. Why? Because he wanted to make sure everyone knew that Lazarus was dead. <laughs> Go there too quick. Well, he was just in a coma or he was this or he was that. No, this guy was dead. He was in the tomb for four days. He smelled of death. You know how that smell, you drive by a skunk or something on the road, like, woo-wee. Well, let me tell you, the human body, when it decomposes, it gets pretty stinky. And so, Jesus finally gets to the place. Sisters, you know, are troubled. They didn't come sooner. And Jesus, in verse 38, notice what happens. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew uh, that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Phone's going off there. Tony, you can get it later. They'll probably leave a voicemail. Okay, I'm not trying to put anyone on the spot. Just never mind. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Now notice this. Therefore, many of the Jews had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did. Believe them. You got some believers here. But some of them, went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. You got guys that were right there who saw the resurrection of Lazarus, saw him come out of there. And you know what the issue was in their hearts? We got to go back and tell the main guys because this guy is doing stuff no one else is doing. So the chief priests, the religious leaders got nervous. There was unbelief in a situation like that. So much power. So little faith. You know, that, fa that, that power is just out there. God has demonstrated it to us so often. The power of God can change lives. 
and yet we lack the faith. I had to get my faith back. I had to get conviction back. I had to look in the mirror and go, what the heck are you thinking about? Get some conviction. What, what is faith? Faith is the assurance of things, right? The confidence of things. Not seen. It's not a, oh, let's just have faith. No, it's a conviction that God is going to be there when you need him the most. No matter what you go through, God is going to be there. I've seen God turn lives around. To be able to be in AJ's study, some of them, it it was just to see him change. Talk to him sometime. Get an idea where he's been. A lot of us have been there too. But to watch God transform a life, transform a heart. Why? Because he had faith and he stuck with it. And now look what God's doing. Now I ask you, what is your problem? Yeah. Why are you stuck? What's it going to take? How's your prayer life? Some of us, why? No faith. Why pray if you have no faith, right? Some of us pray legalistically. Well, I've got to have a quiet time. It's too quiet, man. Uh, Way too quiet. You've got to lift up your arms to God when you're in that state and just say, hey, I'm a mess. I need some help. I need to be resurrected, so to speak. I need to come out of the tomb. I kind of stink right now. <laughs> I need someone to really transform me. It's not looking good. So much power. So little faith. Look back over in 2 Timothy. You know, Joe and I have been talking. He's come up with some awesome... Joe's an awesome minister. Oh, I love him to death. Um, Not that good looking, but he's a great, great, great minister. He's a... Oh, sorry. I didn't know Lynette was here. Easy, Lynette. I just... Just a little joke to keep the audience going. I put my money there too. <laughs> Mine, you can be quiet. But anyway, um, he gave us a, a spirit of power. The second thing, love. Joe and I have been talking. He's asked me my opinion on some stuff. He said, you know, I just think that we need to get the mission of the church out there. Yeah. It's got to be a love mission. By this, all men will know you're my disciples, if you love one another. He said, we need to set, I was going, he said, what do you think? I go, I mean, that puts it all square where it needs to be. Love. The power to love. The power to hang in there with people when they don't react and respond. You just love them. You keep loving and, and that's what Timothy had lost. He'd lost that. He'd got, he was in the, the regiment of ministry, the day in and day out. But you lose your love for people. It's just an appointment. It's just another person in your face that you have to deal with. It's pouring out their heart. He lost his love. 
Paul says in 2 Corinthians, the love of Christ does what? Compels us. When you understand the love of God, it just motivates you. It's powerful. Even the toughest guys get penetrated. Their hearts are penetrated by that love. You just cannot resist it almost. You have to harden your heart to it. It's a powerful thing. And, you know, we need to love what God has done for us. Notice how he says in verse 9, He saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done. That is so comforting. <laughs> it's not all about me. It's all about God and what God wants to do in my life. It's not about me worrying about how great I am or how I come across or what other people are thinking. It's all about God. I'm just an instrument. I'm just a piece of dust. For some unknown reason, he wants to use me just like he wants to use you, whatever your gift is. Why? Why does he care about you and me? Think about it. It's amazing because of his love for us. God is love. Notice. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald, an apostle, and a teacher. That is why I'm suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame. Notice this. Because... I know whom I believe. Faith is knowledge, guys. Faith is not just believing in something. There is evidence that you can know that there's a God. That's right. You can know that. Not just, well, I think there is and I hope there is, and evidence kind of points that way. No, the evidence, undisputable. Yeah. Undisputable, there is a God. I've taken philosophy, I've taken philo a theology. And it's amazing, it's amazing that all of philosophy, you know what it revolves around? The existence of God. And I used to go in these seminar classes with these, these, uh, these guys who were working on their PhDs in philosophy and they were all talking about God. And I say, you guys don't believe in God, right? No, 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 no. Then why are we always talking about him? <laughs> why are we always talking about him? There's got to be knowledge with our faith that we know that there's a God and we know that the more we know it, the more powerful we are. When you don't know it and you're worried about it and you're just kind of hoping, you have no power. You have no reason to stand. You can be knocked over very easy. That's why Paul tells Timothy, you better get back to that sound doctrine. You got to get down to what is right and what is wrong and what is truth and what is not truth and what the Bible teaches and what it doesn't teach. In this church, we want to be biblical. Yeah. We want to know what the Bible teaches and we want to put it into practice. <clears throat> that distinguishes us from other churches. Yep. Tell you the truth. You can go to a lot of churches and believe whatever you want to believe. I had a discussion with a young woman last night. She goes to church and basically what she said, you can believe whatever you want. Is that what Paul told Timothy? Hey, look, 
the way you get out of this problem of the doctrine, let everyone believe what they want. <laughs> Just let them believe what they want and we'll all be happy. That's not how it works. No. Sound doctrine has to be preached. But the thing that really moved me was this sentence, this grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Wow. Guys, do you realize what we have in Christ historically? All the things God has done to fulfill his promise to Abraham, to get Jesus here, have Jesus die, all the problems that the early church had and had to work through, all the suffering, all the persecution, all the way up through the Middle Ages, all the way up. There were times that there was no Bible. There were times that people didn't have the Word of God in print. They had to rely on their prayer lives and their faith. And look what we have. One of our Bibles gets old, we go buy another one. And then we gotta decide what translation we're gonna buy. And then we gotta decide we're gonna buy from Amazon or go to the local bookstore. You know if the young Christians had the ability to go to the bookstore and buy the Bible, what they would have felt and how much they would have appreciated that? And now look at us, at this time, everything's been brought together. We see it all. We're at the top of the pyramid. Think about it. Before the beginning of time, God had you in his sights. You believe that? He knew your name and he knew what you were going to be doing and he had to make decisions about it. But he saw it. Before the beginning of time, the whole thing, God's total action is directed towards us. God is a God of love. He is love. That's his part of his being. He can do nothing other than to love us. We have to make the choice to love. And to love only comes through the power of God. Because I'm telling you, I can be a hateful guy. I mean, I can get downright mean. I can be doing well, get on the freeway, and some guy pulls in front of me, and I'm telling you, I don't think my, you know, I'm going to try not to cuss, but you know how you do. You, you go, you idiot. Idiot. Who am I to call someone an idiot? Because they're not driving the way I want them to. But that's where we get. I have to make a decision. I am going to love. And the last thing is self-discipline. I'm sure Timothy was going through all kinds of emotions, yeah. wanting to quit, up and down, in tears, up early, trying to deal with people, all that kind of stuff. He had to be disciplined in his emotions. And it's amazing. In this whole book, Paul never says, hey, I want you to take some time off. Yeah. I want to come to Ephesus so we can talk and you can get everything on out on the table. I want to make sure you're validated in all your feelings. And those things are good. Those things are good in relationships. But Paul doesn't cut him that slack. He's basically saying, get back on, on the horse. You fell off, but get back on. And be self-disciplined 
in your life and in your emotions. And a lot of times we feel like, I just can't. I have so many feelings. Hey, if you can drive, you can control yourself. You know what I'm saying? You got a license, right? So you control yourself. You want to run somebody down, but you don't. You want to bump somebody, but you don't. There was an elderly woman in, 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 in front of me uh, at the grocery store, and I was in a hurry. And she was in an express lane with 50 things, <laughs> counting out her pennies. I wanted to take my basket and kind of bump her a little bit. <laughs> I wanted to say, lady, this is the express lane. But then I looked at her, and I knew better, and I started loving her. I said, that woman is an elderly woman. I'm just going to be patient. That could be my mother. That might be me one day. <laughs> But there's discipline. All of that's available to us. The discipline to pray. The discipline to do the right thing. The discipline to love righteousness. The discipline not to talk back to your husband. You have a lot of feelings, sisters, but come on. You can control. And men, we could be a little more emotional, to tell you the truth. We got to control how we talk. We get angry with our family, get angry with our wives or with our friends. You know, men can turn into bullies. They, we can raise the volume. You know, who do you think you're talking to? You know, I'm the head of the house. I expect respect. But, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Self-discipline yeah. is the key. And Paul says, that's why I'm suffering because it's all there. I can suffer, I can make it, I can do the right thing. Right. Satan can throw whatever he wants at me, no matter how strenuous the schedule gets, no matter how tough it gets. That's why I'm suffering, because I've been chosen, I've been given the power, the love, the self-discipline to be able to carry out this lifestyle, this Christianity. Now look up in uh, chapter 2 and verse 11. Then we'll be done. Here is a trustworthy saying. In other words, this is something you can take to the bank, Timothy. If we died with him, we will also live with him. Some of us don't like dying. Some of us need to become Christians. We're afraid of the death. We're afraid of giving everything up. We're afraid of just self-denial. If you do that, you're going to live with Christ. He's not telling you to deny yourself to make you miserable, some shallow kind of person. He's telling you to deny yourself so that you can become powerful. If we endure, we will also reign with him. Hey, we got to make it. We're going to reign with Christ. Are you willing to give that up because you get a little emotional? You're a little down? It's endurance. We can make it. If we disown him... He will also disown us. But notice this, and this is what pulled me through, I think, more than anything. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. 
I lost my faith, Ted, true. But Jesus didn't lose his faith in me. He had that vision. He gave me that gift. And he would just simply say, Marty, you got to fan it in the flame. you got to fight for it. He said, for he cannot disown himself. There's no way that Jesus will ever give up on any of us. He will be there. He will stand with us. He will stand strong with us. If we will just muster that faith and hold on to it, God will stand with us. I can just say I've experienced it. This has been one of the toughest times of my life. And yet I'm here this morning fired up, excited. Someone believes in me. Someone cares about me. Someone's in my corner. You know, it's kind of like you're out in a fight, uh, a heavyweight fight or something, and, and you sit back in the corner, you're all bloody, you're going, I don't know if I can go another round. Jesus said, hey, 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 it ain't over. Oh, you're bloody. I was bloody too. You're suffering. Oh, I suffered too. But guess what? I'm here, and you're going back out in that fight, and this is what you're going to do. You're going to do this, that, and the other. He leads you to the, to the victory. Don't give up on him, brothers and sisters. Jesus is here with us. Hey, God is doing great things. We're planting churches. We just got to remain faithful so that we can reign with him in the end. Thank you very much. All right.